0: Hello, my friends, your buddy Phil here, project management trainer and coach. I hope you're doing well. Today, we're gonna be talking about the PMP exam and taking a look at the most important things. Now, breaking news for the past number of years, I've always told you, read the sixth edition, right? Know your ITTOs, know the process groups, stuff like that. Well, here's the deal. The reason why you need to do that is not really because of the exam. It is for your professional life as a project manager to enable you feel comfortable. Personally, I studied the PMBOK Guide second edition twice. I went over it. That's what my exam was based on and I read it twice. And I ended up reading the third edition as well in error about halfway. So I had read the Pembok guide backwards and forwards, and that is what helped me on the exam, to be able to cope with the language, because when they write questions, they're going to bake in predictive language, agile language, hybrid language. So for the longest time, I have said, read the book. Now, in 2022, I have to be honest, I've heard a smattering of things from students, but I know you shouldn't focus your energies on memorizing, on cramming. It's not going to help you. What is going to help you is understanding the logic, understanding the general framework, and understanding the flow of stuff. Let me try my best in the next 30 minutes to summarize this for you, such that if this was your final study day, The information I'm sharing with you here today will see you through. In fact, this video is for people who have got the exam coming up real quick and they're panicking and they're freaking out. This video is to calm your mind and to gently work in the logic. The logic that is in the sixth, the logic that is in the seventh, if you wanted to call it that, and the values and principles talked about on page 8 and 9. So what I'm doing here is taking these three books and I am condensing them for you. Now, I have already done that in a book that is going to be released to the public very soon. Right now, it's only available to my students and it's called Project Management Layman's Guide. I have condensed tons and tons of pages into a very small book with 50 solid questions to get you into that mindset for the exam. So right now we're going to cover the PMP exam mindset mantra. We're going to spend some time getting into the mindset. Let's get started. I have broken this down into people. Let's talk about the people mindset. For the exam, you've got to be familiar and ready to see words such as team, customer, stakeholder, sponsor, product owner, program manager, and so on. The first thing you want to be thinking about is the customer. Be obsessed with the customer. Make your customer's success a primary goal. Always look out for the customer. Next, focus on the team. Focus on the stakeholder and their well-being, and their health, and their synergy. Integrity. Do not abuse your position or title. Or be partial in your actions make sure you choose those options where you are always taking the higher ground where you are above board and everything you are doing is on point advancement always move the project forward i cannot overstate this this is by far one of the most important points for your exam always choose the option that moves the project forward let me give you an example you get a question that says your project manager that has a stakeholder that has refused to sign documentation. What should you do? And you've got A, report that stakeholder to their boss. What good does that do in the grand scheme? Then you have B, discuss with the stakeholder and understand their point of view. That is the better option. So, any option that does not move the problem or the issue forward or advance the project. Do not choose. Always choose the best option to advance the project. Team trust. Trust the team and their judgment. The questions will test you on understanding that the team should be self-organizing, autonomous, and you should believe the best in the team. Allow the team to choose their own way of working. Honesty be honest and truthful in all your dealings, even if it may offend others. Even if it seems like someone's going to be mad in the question, still go ahead, do it anyway. Fairness, treat others fairly, have empathy, be mindful and aware of diversity and inclusion. So assume you're a project manager on a project and there's a team member that has been ostracized in some way by the other team members. What should you do? Should you just allow that team member to be all on their own. You find out that they're not including this person in discussions, in debate. You're realizing that the person is always isolated and they're not including the person in group activities. What should you do as a scrum master, as a servant leader, as a project manager? Remember you are a coach, a mentor. So you need to mentor and coach these individuals into inclusion and diversity. That is what you as a leader needs to be thinking about. Treat others fairly, have empathy, be mindful and aware of diversity, and also that everyone is included. Next, servant leader, defend the team, be a diversion shield, and facilitate conflict resolution. So what we're talking about here is to protect the team, to act in a capacity of diverting anything coming at the team from a distracting point of view, people wanted to throw more work on the team that has nothing to do with the ongoing project or ongoing endeavor. You should act as a divergent shield. You should also act as a shield to remove impediments, obstacles, blockers. You should use your network as a project manager or as a servant leader to find ways of removing any blockers around. And what we've heard from a lot of students who take the exam is that. The word servant leader may not be used as much, but you can tell it is a servant leader being discussed. You can also tell that the word scrum master may not show up as much, but you know this is talking about a servant leader figure. So get comfortable with the idea that they could still come at you from the angle of project manager, but you need to be thinking servant leader. Leadership. Be courageous to lead. Make tough decisions have tough conversations, make trade-offs. It will amaze you that some of the questions may push you to the limit where the best option may be to let someone go from a project. You gotta be bold to make those decisions. Other instances, it would not be fair to let that person go because that person is a capable individual, would be a good one to have on the team, But you need to know when to use mentoring and coaching and training. But there are going to be some decisions where you need to make the tough decisions. It will push you to that limit. That place you don't want to go, that place you don't want to address, it will be in your face. Trust me, it's happened to me on the exam. I have seen questions come at me right there in my face. And you need to decide, make the tough decisions. Be a steward. Protect resources entrusted to you and treat them with care. Remember, you are a fiduciary of these resources. So treat team members with care. Treat physical resources with care. Ensure that they are well taken care of and allocated as they are supposed to be. Do not abuse the resources that are in your care. Next, be a mentor. Mentor, coach, serve, and guide the team instead of using punishment and coercion. Your go-to response needs to be one of mentoring and coaching in order to get the team on the same page, to introduce the behaviors you desire, and things like that. Next one is agility. Be agile and adapt to be resilient. That is the final one in the people domain. And when we talk about agile, what are we saying? Adapt, be resilient. Even if you are in a hybrid situation, your thinking should be agile, not predictive, right? Because agile means you could be more iterative or incremental or less. So agility is always the best way. Being predictive is just a one-way street. You got to remember that the agile person could always change. The predictive person will be sticking to their guns. You got to remember that. Let's go into the next one, the second one. This is a process mantra. So when you're in the exam, you're going to face knowledge areas, process groups, processes, formulas, methods, models, artifacts, theory, frameworks, and practices. And it's for this reason, this reason that I tell people, know a little bit okay now for those of you who have your exam coming up in the next week let me give you some solid advice please do this open up your sixth edition don't go to the main body because it's already too late at this point what I want you to do first of all look for all of my videos on YouTube where I have the one minute summaries. So I have a one minute summary for all of the knowledge areas. And I have a summary about five minutes or so for chapters one, two, and three. That's all you need at this point, because forget it. If your exam is next week, spend some time doing other things, not reading this whole book. Okay. If you're good at speed reading, I want to give you a cadence here. I want you to spend on every chapter, not more than 10 minutes to go through it. I'm not talking about skimming through, but I'm talking about speed power reading through. And if you want to know a little bit more about how to do this, there's some courses online where you can quickly learn tips and tricks to help you speed read. One of such individuals is Jimmy Quick. Check out his information. He specializes in a lot of brain optimization stuff check out Jimmy, K-W-I-K. You'll find him on YouTube. And he talks about how you can speed read. And just listen to what he has to say and apply it. But I would say the cadence is roughly 10 minutes per chapter. Don't spend any more than that. And you'll be amazed after listening to Jimmy and applying that stuff to the book, what you're going to gain. All right. Now, when you have done that, if you can even do that for two, it'll take you about two hours. So If you spend 10 minutes on each one, 10 times uh, 13 chapters, that's 120. That's roughly two hours plus. Don't spend more than that because it's just going to be law of diminishing returns. You're going to get all bothered about ITTOs that you're not able to memorize. Don't memorize them. Understand. As you're going through, just say, do I understand it? Let, Let me give you an example. Quick example. So I randomly open the book to page 434 and I see a diamond and it says, sensitivity analysis. I need to know what this is at a high level. That's enough, okay? For most of these, I want to say about 95% of the stuff here, if you understand it at a decent level, high level, that's enough. You don't need to go cram in every single ITTO where it comes from. No, that you don't have to because let me tell you why. I do a lot of of listening to students who take the exam. My students, other students, and you know what I've heard in 2021, it was a broken record. I kept hearing the PEMOc guide and all the processes, process groups, knowledge areas, they were not verbatim on the exam. So cramming is not gonna help you. A lot of people say not even a single ITTO spelt as it is in the guide appeared on the exam. You understand what I'm saying. So be smart. Go through the content. As I'm looking at sensitivity analysis here, I need to get the overall gist. Sensitivity analysis helps to determine which individual project risks or other sources of uncertainty have the most potential impact on project outcomes. Boom! It's not rocket science. I don't need to go off on a rabbit trail fretting about the image under it. <laughs> the image under it is the tornado diagram. Let me let me tell you the logic. Here's my logic. Before you know the the, the PMBOK. Six Puritans come at me. No one is more passionate about the six than I am. But something else I'm passionate about is use of time, good use of time, and being lean and mean with your time. Don't waste time because no one's got time to waste. I don't. I hate people wasting my time, and I want to spend yours wisely with you. So spend two hours if you've got it on this book. I would say spend one hour speed reading again through it. This book, I would say, do read this in detail. Now, when it comes to the seventh edition and the sixth edition, one more thing I want you to do with 30 minutes, and I've done this on this channel over and over again. I go through glossary items. I want you to spend 30 minutes going through the glossary in this book, going through nothing but the glossary, just looking for terms, that you don't know. And finally, this one, just looking for terms. So if you spend, if your exam is in a week, spend a day doing what I've told you to do here, and that's enough, okay? The process piece, the language, maybe more technical, or I should say more process-oriented, more towards the spectrum of frameworks, that's okay. If you do what I've asked you to do with those books, you're going to be good. Okay? So let's talk about process now. All right. So the process mantra, like I said, knowledge areas, process groups, that whole talk about cost, scope, schedule, risk, procurement, stakeholders, all that stuff, you're going to find language like this. First mantra, life cycle, life cycle, select and tailor, life cycle, the appropriate project life cycle, tailor the life cycle, tailor the development approach. Understand the project life cycle is a collection of phases and those phases are peculiar to the technical work being done, but most importantly, the development approach must also be appropriate. Iterative, incremental, predictive, agile, choose the right development approach. What if I have a simple project? What if I have chaos? What if I have anarchy? Which one do I choose? If I have anarchy, I'm going to be on the side of agile. If I've got very predictive, simple, I'm going to be in predictive space. If I've got a high degree of change and a high degree of delivery, delivering frequently and rapidly, I'm going to be agile. But if I've got a high Frequency of delivery and a low degree of change, I'm going to be incremental. If I've got a low degree of change and a low degree of delivery, I'm going to be predictive. If I've got a low degree of delivery or low frequency of delivery and a high degree of change, I'm going to be iterative. So you've got to know page 18 and 19 in the Agile Practice Guide. Change, manage change and configuration with intentionality. Understand change is all about changes on the project and documents on the project. When we talk about configuration we're specifically talking about artifacts and deliverables and version control of things like drawings and widgets and overall deliverable items risk and governance proactively manage risk and governance you got to remember governance is the framework within which authority is exercised the span and type of governance in every situation differs from project to project and opportunity to opportunity, but you need to understand and be comfortable with what governance is, the language around governance, and also risk management. How do you proactively manage risk instead of being reactive? Proactive risk management means planning how to manage risks, identifying the risks, performing the right analyses, be they qualitative or quantitative, and then planning the risk response. Also, implementing the response is proactive, doing it at the right time, using your influence as a project manager to make things happen, and ultimately monitoring risk. All that dialogue is helpful. For this reason, you do need to know, at a minimum, every process group, what you do there, every knowledge area, what you do there, and each one of the 49 processes. you got to know what you're doing. That is non-negotiable. Hybridize. Hybridize where necessary to maximize value and options. Why would you hybridize? Because there's always an opportunity to be iterative or incremental. And that is what hybridization is all about. The right titration for increments and to plan in iterations. That's what it's all about. So hybridize where necessary. If there's an opportunity to hybridize instead of being just predictive, then hybridize. Inspect and adapt It's one of the tenets of Agile. We continuously inspect, adapt, and integrate on all levels. Scrum pillars, transparency, inspection, adaptation, very important. In our daily Scrum, we are actually inspecting the work we are actually adapting as well. A lot of great things get discovered in a daily scrum. So unlike folks who think of a lessons learned, only you want to think about a retrospective where you can honestly and openly inspect and adapt, be transparent. You got to understand for your exam, things such as a retrospective may not be explicitly called that But the idea of what you're doing in the retrospective in the daily scrum is important. Manage all areas. This summary simply states logically plan and manage all knowledge areas. And we're talking about integration all the way on down to stakeholder. You should, hey, hey, you should. I know for the longest time, I have said, don't go crazy on the book. But just because I said, don't go crazy on the book, doesn't mean that you're going to go into the exam a week and you, you can't explain integration or scope or cost. You can't explain any of the knowledge areas. That's a problem, my friends. So even if you end up saying, Phil, I can't read this book, it's so big, look for my one minute summaries on YouTube watch them. There's no excuse. Look, I've put out over 2,000 videos for you. There's no excuse. If you do a search, praise on risk, you'll come up with a plethora of videos. I've lost track of them, but they're all out there for you. Tap into it. Just look for the videos and watch. You need to know the 10 knowledge areas, what they are, the five process groups, the story about them, and the 49 processes. And yes, I know it's not in the seventh explicitly, but PMI have that in the background in Standards Plus, which is linked to the seventh. So anyone telling you, you don't need to know some technicalities, they're lying. And it's risky because people are still failing the PMP. We're not hearing about a lot of them, but people are still failing in some numbers. So you gotta be smart. You know, exam retake fees is usually a lot of these organizations, bread and butter. I don't think they're going to forego that. So you don't want to be one of the victims that pays the re-examination fee. That's all I'm saying. Better your chances of success by really knowing what every knowledge area, process group, and process is. Enough said. Let's move on manage all areas, understand all the areas, all the knowledge areas and how to effectively manage them. I said it again, agile, that agile mindset. Seek to deliver incrementally, plan iteratively where possible, break the work into chunks, break delivery into chunks, break planning into chunks. What does it do? It's a risk coping mechanism. When you deliver in increments, you are narrowing down any issues that could potentially happen per increment, not per release, but per increment. It helps you as a risk coping mechanism. This is by far one of the most important ones in the whole deck. It's problem solve. Be a problem solver. Solve the real problem. Don't ask mother, may I? Sponsor, may I? Don't do that. Put on your thinking hat. Solve the problem. Offer solutions, not problems. You go in to ask questions in many an instance is the bad thing to do. The best thing to do is to solve the problem with the team and get stuff moving. Move the project forward. The next one is buying slash authorization. Seek authorization and buying when necessary. There are going to be times to bring in the team, bring in the stakeholders to get authorization. That's really what this is talking about, your project charter and trade-offs. There are times when you're going to have to trade-off, and when you're trading off, you need to get buy This is a very important one as well, systematic and strategic thinking. Think systematically and strategically to navigate complexity. you got to ask the question, what does the company want? What does the company need? What is the whole picture? What is going on right now? So when they give you a question on the exam, you've got to understand the question. You've got to read the question to understand what is happening. And you need to be able to see how everything is interwoven, how everything joins. And you've got to weave the story together really quickly in under a minute. You've got to get the gist of the story. And you've got to be able to navigate that complexity that you're being given. Because that's what the exam is about. Complexity, problem solving, being strategic. What is the best strategic position based on this question? Next is the iron triangle and quality. Proactively building quality and manage the iron triangle. What are we saying here? Remember in the Agile Manifesto, we talk about technical excellence and good design enhances your agility. Well, technical excellence is part of quality. Managing the iron triangle is when you understand the importance of schedule, cost, and scope. In the world of Agile, when we talk about the iron triangle, you gotta remember that it's flipped on its head. And instead of you having scope fixed like we do in traditional, we have flexible scope, but we have a fixed schedule and budget. Your sprint is a fixed time box where you get stuff done that fits into it. Your budget is fixed by virtue of a team that is pretty much fixed within certain bounds. We don't wanna introduce team members in ad nauseum. Instead, we wanna make sure when we introduce team members, it's because we absolutely have to, and we don't wanna go over the number of three to nine. And we're not doing this to increase our velocity. We're not doing this to get more and more done uh, in a non-agile way, we always want to remember the five stages of team development. We want to move with care, proceed with care. Don't just add any old person. And don't just add people to boost your velocity. That's a bad, bad way to do things. Instead, you want to do it mindfully of the five stages of team development, and you want to make sure it's a good fit, And you want to make sure that the number of team members does not go beyond what is advised. The sweet spot between three to nine, as your Agile practice guide and other documentation will tell you. All right, let's finally talk about the last one here in process it's closing. Close each stage, iteration, or phase with a retrospective or lessons learned. Just remember the retrospective is in the Agile Practice Guide talked about as the most important meeting, the most important ceremony in the world of Agile, pretty much, or you could say in the world of Scrum. The retrospective enables you to really do what is one of the hallmarks of, say, Scrum, for example, which is empiricism. Work the process, get better put your discoveries back in the pipeline and improve. That's the general idea. Let's move into the business domain. Here's our final one, business. When you're tackling the world of business on the exam, be prepared to hear words such as outcomes, value, benefits, revenues, advantage, demand, cost of delay. That's how you should be thinking, even if you don't have that exact one on the exam. Cost of delay, revenue leakage, opportunity erosion, competition, compliance, organization change, strategy, and business. All of these are topics And ideas you should be familiar with. Let's talk about these one by one. The first one here environment. Observe and respond to the external and internal environment. So, as a boundary spanner, someone who spans boundaries between your company and other companies, your company and the business environment, you absolutely should be observing and responding accordingly. And as a product owner, you should be adjusting your product backlog based on the environment. In the seventh edition, mention is made of the internal and external project environment, internal to the project, external to the project, and they pretty much rolled EEFs and OPAs into this internal, external thing. But you really do need to know, what is my job as a product owner? The exam is going to test you not just based on a project manager, but also based on a product owner interaction and a sponsor interaction and a team interaction. Okay, so environment is big. Next one, organization impact. Assess the organization's impact on the project and navigate accordingly as a project manager if the organization is having a huge impact on the project you need to know how to navigate that. Next one is compliance. Proactively manage compliance. If you're not in compliance, it could be really bad. So expect questions that test your understanding and awareness of compliance and how to navigate it. On the exam, also expect the word outcomes to appear. Focus on outcomes, not deliverable, not output. Focus on outcomes. Is deliverable good? and important, yes, but that is not what you should focus on primarily. Your focus needs to be on the outcome. So think about value, benefits, and outcomes over output. You could get output and the output could be right on point, but it may not lead to a desired outcome. I'll give you an example. If you're working on a software project to deliver software, And software implementation is really the end goal for people to use that software, for people to find value and benefit from that software. You deliver the output, which is a software, but no one's using it. No one's home. Everyone's using their own tiny little systems here and there. The real benefits of using this system that you've grown, people aren't realizing it. Therefore, they're not getting value. Therefore, it's an undesirable outcome because people are still... Wasting company time and money using a system that doesn't work as well as the one you've built. So what could you have done to ensure the outcome is realized? You could have some cut over built in so that people know on this day, this is going away. Take the system away because if you don't, they will never realize the benefits of the new one. So think about outcomes, and this is why you would add things to your backlog, such as add a cutover period, enforce a cutover period, and things like that. So the additional activities or backlog items that will help you realize the true outcome are things you should be thinking about. The exam will also test you on benefits. Benefits, value, outcomes, they go hand in hand. Proactively ensure the management of benefits. And their realization. Highly advise that you read, in particular, page thirty three of the penbook guide sixth edition, and also read page thirty because the business case and the benefits management plan are pretty important. The next one is about sustainable community. Harness COPS, PMOs, and VDOs for the firm's strategic goals. It's all about the firm supporting people, building a community building a sustainable community. Organization change. Set the stage for organizational change and build alliances. Use your network, use your influence. Value swap. Swap out backlog items with work of comparable value as opposed to having draconian procurement practices. How about reading page 77 in the Agile Practice Guide Page 78, an understanding how we navigate procurements and contracts in the world of Agile. We swap things out, things of comparable size and value, and we work to achieve the customer's success and competitive business advantage, not by asking for change order upon change order, but instead working with them as flexibly as possible Check out the flexible contract arrangements that exist on page 77 and 78 of the Agile Practice Guide. Next is lean thinking. Be lean. Think and be lean to eliminate waste at all levels of the value delivery system. You could say simplicity, the art of maximizing the amount of work not done, is essential. It's one of the Agile principles. Ten, take a look at that. Understand being lean, being mean, being simple in your delivery. Simple as much as you can avoid complexity with thinking lean. Project impact, assess the project's impact on the organization and navigate accordingly. If your project is causing huge, huge change in the organization, you can expect pushback, you can expect backlash, and you need to be able to navigate that and be proactive by being a change agent. And ahead of time of those project changes, Begin to use your influence across the firm to let people know the good things your project is actually going to do. Value delivery, this is huge. Strategically plan the value delivery system. The value delivery system is a term talked about in the seventh edition. It's definitely one you wanna know. The value delivery system is a collection of portfolios, programs, projects, operations, and also the external and internal environments are documented there as well in the PMBOK guide, 7th edition. Finally, gated. Use toll gates, stage gates, kill points, and phase end reviews to deliver only value. If you find that value is not going to be delivered, if you can detect from your backlog that value is not being delivered, then why don't you just shut it down? You be good.